in John chapter 1, the Bible says in verse number 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning you would open the eyes of our spiritual understanding, that we may see the truth that is set before us. By thy Spirit, would you minister to the need of every heart as you alone are able. Fill me, I pray, and use me in these moments together. For this I ask in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Years ago, when Billy Graham was at his heyday as an evangelist, he would hold meetings from sea to shining sea and around the world with the intent of preaching the gospel of Christ. And one day when Billy Graham was driving through a small southern town, he was caught in a speed trap. He was pulled over by a policeman and charged with speeding. Well, Reverend Graham admitted that he was driving too fast. And he was told by the officer that he would have to appear in court. So the day came for him to appear in court and he showed up and the judge said, Mr. Graham, are you guilty or not guilty? And when Mr. Graham pleaded guilty, the judge replied, That'll be $10, a dollar for every mile that you were driving over the speed limit. Suddenly, the judge recognized the famous minister standing in his courtroom. And he said, Reverend Graham, you have violated the law, and the fine must be paid. But today, I'm going to pay it for you. He took a $10 bill out of his billfold and he handed it to the bailiff to pay the fine. He attached it to the ticket. And then he took Mr. Graham out and bought him a steak dinner. That, my friends, is exactly how God deals with us. We're guilty, and the punishment has to be paid. The penalty has to be paid. But Jesus said, I'm going to take care of it for you. And not only that, 
I'm going to take you out and buy you the best steak in town. Only it wasn't a steak that he gave us. It was eternal life in heaven with him. That really is a simple illustration of what grace is. It is undeserved, unmerited, but God in love has bestowed it upon us. And today as we consider the fact that the Bible is called the Word of His grace, and it is, there are certain things that we can draw from this Because as we read here in John chapter 1, we discover that the name assigned to Jesus in this passage which we have read is that of the Word. In the beginning was the, what? Word. Capital W. It's a proper name. It's referring to Jesus. Jesus Christ is the personification of the Word of God. Often we say that If we could turn Jesus into a book, we would have the Bible. And if we could turn the Bible into a person, that we would have Jesus. My friends, this is fundamentally the truth. As Jesus declared Himself to be the Word and to be the truth, He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so, John declares for us that when Jesus came as the Word of God incarnate, He came full of grace and truth. He is the Word of His grace. And the Bible declares it. Those two words, grace and truth, give us the understanding in an elementary sort of a way of essentially who God is. He's absolutely true and holy. But He's absolutely good and altogether lovely. And He wants to set His affection upon you. He is absolute in who He is. And He came to this earth to demonstrate that He absolutely loves you. And I think that we have to pause for a moment and understand that the Word is full of grace and truth. The Bible tells us, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But He is the personification of the written Word. Jesus said in this same Gospel, search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, And these are they which testify of me. This is the book that reveals God to man. Oftentimes we go to the book of Revelation. And as we look at the Greek word that gives us revelation, it's apocalypse. Do you know what apocalypse means? Not bombs exploding, not some combat mission, not the battle of Armageddon. Apocalypse means revelation. And if you look a little more carefully in the title of that final book in our Bible, it says this, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so, what is really the book of Revelation about? It's not all about what's going to happen in the end times. It's all about who God is, who Jesus is. It reveals Him in absolute holiness and in absolute justice and that He has a plan for the ages. It is all about Jesus. Sometimes we want to take it simply as a book about prophecy or uh, something that if we understand, we have a leg up on somebody else. We're smarter than somebody else. The reality is, it was all given that we might know Him more. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful about that. He came full of grace and truth. You know, He knows the truth about you. He knows the truth about you. But guess what? 
He'll bestow His grace upon you anyway. Doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done. God loves you. What's more important is, listen, where you're headed, not where you've been. And so God wants to bestow His grace upon you. Now, there are some things that help us to get a better grasp of this one who came full of grace and truth. The Word of God filled with grace and truth. The Word of grace. The Word of His grace is our sermon series that we're dealing with. And I think it's important for us to notice as we have begun this chapter, it says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now, I want you to understand that what John is writing about here is the fact that Jesus is the eternal God. Would you notice with me the eternality of the Word? The eternality of the Word, which I want you to understand shows us God before us. He was way before humanity. Jesus, my friends, did not find His beginning in a manger in Bethlehem so many years ago. He is the Ancient of Days. The one of whom the Bible says He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, which was and is and is to come. He's the eternal God. It blows my mind to think about the fact that He's the eternal God. Because really what that means is that before eternity passed, He was there. And eternity future, He's already there too. He's not constrained by some sort of a time-space continuum. He doesn't need a flux capacitor to go wherever He wants to in the economy of God's time. Uh, Because He's God. Amen? Uh, I sometimes have people say, Pastor, when you get up to heaven, who's the first person you want to talk to? Well, my friends, that's a simple one. His name is Jesus. That's it. I just want to be fixated on Him. But some people say, boy, I I would like for Him to show me uh, how He created everything. Folks, I don't have to bother the Lord uh, when I get there with saying, can you take me back and show me? I can just go ahead on back. You know why? Because I have the very life of God. I won't be constrained like that either. I'll be able to just kind of go on back in time and be an eyewitness to all that God did. I don't know what you think about that, but that sort of blows my mind. I, you say, well, that you don't have much up there to be blown, do you? <laughs> But you know what? Something ought to blow your mind a little bit, right? I I just, I think that we need to see that Jesus is eternally pre-existent. The Bible reveals it to us. It says in verse 3, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians chapter 1 reaffirms that Jesus is the creator of all that is. So there is nothing in the heavens or the earth that was not created by who? Jesus. Jesus. Look, He is not just the Son of God. He is God the Son. And so, stop trying to put God within the context and framework of your finite mind and understanding. He's so much bigger than that. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad about that. I need a God that's really big, that's really vast that understands all the complexities of the universe that I haven't even begun to discover. I'm glad that He's way bigger than all of that because I need a God that's way bigger than me. Amen? And so do you. And so the eternality of the Word. The Word of God was established from before the foundations of the world. You know the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 4 that He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before Him in love. So the Word of God established from before the foundations of the world that you and I would be His children. And I I often would talk to Brother Hilmer who's now with the Lord and we'd had such a time every Tuesday for 13 years he would take me out bowling. Then we have lunch together and talk about the things of the Lord. And then we come back and prepare for men's Bible study. And, and we talk about things of consequence and, 
and things that are not just base and mortal. We talked about that which was eternal. And, and uh, he asked me one time, what do, you, what do you suppose that God did before He made everything that exists? And I said, man, that's a great question. And we dug into the Word. And we came up with it. What God did before He made all that is, is this. He chose you. Before God made the heavens, before He hung the stars in space, before He carved out the seas, the mountains and the canyons, before He created the wonders of this world, He chose you. He's full of grace. He's the eternal God. As the eternal God, He has revealed Himself to us through His Word. And I've quoted that verse to you in John 5.39 where that Jesus said, Search the Scriptures, for these are they which testify of Me. They tell you who I am. He's the eternal God. He's eternally preexistent. You know, all of us perhaps have had a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness knock on our door and they're very winsome and they want to help you clean your garage or mow your grass when you're sick and, and they're very kind. They'll pull your trash cans in for you when you're sick and can't do it and all of that. But listen, all of the kindnesses in the world never got anybody into heaven. You can't pedal your way into heaven, friend. And though they seem so nice, friends, nice is not the qualification for heaven. You see, Jesus came full of grace and truth. And unless we believe God's truth, we will never be the recipient of God's grace. Now, we will every day be the recipient of the bounty of His common graces. For the Bible declares that it... It rains upon the just and the unjust. So there are common graces like the sun that shines and the rain that falls and the air that we breathe that God bestows upon saved and unsaved alike. Those are God's common graces, but His divine and special graces are reserved for those who have believed the truth of God. When the Jews came to Jesus and said, Good Master, what, what, what must we do to work the works of God? He answered and said, This is the work of God that ye believe on Him whom He has sent. It is simply to us to believe Him. That is all. His grace is available to those that will take Him at His word. And it is the word of His Grace And so Jesus, make no mistake about it, is God. Despite what the Mormon church would put forward, despite what the Jehovah's False Witnesses would tell you when they have perverted the Bible and it was proven so in a court of law that they had plagiarized and perverted the Word of God, Charles Taze Russell, so many years ago, so they couldn't call it a Bible. And that's why they call it the New World Translation of the Scriptures, which just means a whole bunch of junk and a lie from the pit of hell. And so, folks, whenever someone wants to give me a copy of the New World Translations of the Scripture, I don't care how nice the binding is, it can have gold gilding on the pages, it's going where it belongs. You know, right next to the Sears and Roebuck catalog in the outhouse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Some of you know what that's good for, don't you? Say, well, that, that is a thing. You, you should talk, talk like that. Well, who's going to tell you if I don't? You want me to say, I'm going to tell you a flowery story and I hope you read through the lines, between the lines, right? Come on now. People didn't go out to hear John the Baptist because he played here we go around the mulberry bush with them. They went out to hear him because he just gave them the bald-faced, unvarnished truth, whether they wanted to hear it or not. Amen? 
You know what the Bible says to me? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. He, the Bible there says, preach it when they want to hear it and when they don't want to hear it. Amen? So you might say, well, that offends me. Well, I, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Would you feel better if I just told you a little white lie? Okay, then. Now that we've got that settled, we'll go on to the next point. Amen? We, we, listen, as the eternal God has revealed Himself to us through the word of, word of His grace. Secondly, we notice the enfleshment of the word. And that is God to us. Not only God before us, His eternality existed before time began, but He came to us. The Bible reveals that the law was given by Moses. So it was an impersonal law that was given by Moses, but God didn't just say, here's an impersonal law that's going to condemn you. What He did was He came to us. He didn't just send it. He came to us. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Because we could not go to God, God came to us. I like that, don't you? And uh, I, I love that song. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. We never hear it anymore. He came to me. It says, when I could not go to where He was, He came to me. And you know, I believe that today we need to see that Christmas is all about the enfleshment of the Word, meaning Jesus. And that the Word became flesh in order that that flesh might demonstrate that He's the Word of grace and be made a sacrifice for undeserving people. Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, Sacrifice thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. And as you read down several verses, it was the body of Christ that would ultimately be sacrificed. Not the bodies of bulls and goats and sheep. But the Lamb of God slain as it were from before the foundation of the world. Jesus, the Word, who came full of grace and truth, and He came to us. So we notice God before us, the eternality. We see the enfleshment of the Word God to us. But notice, please, with me this morning, that the Bible reveals something wonderful about the Word, meaning Jesus. And we notice the enlightenment of the Word. And that is... God with us. The word or the name, if you will, Emmanuel, means God with us. Did you know that? Emmanuel means God with us. And He came to dwell with us. The word literally is tabernacle. A tabernacle is a temporary dwelling. And he came down here to dwell amongst men for a time that He might demonstrate that He is the personification of the Word of His grace. But He came for a specific purpose found in verse 4. It says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 9 says, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He came to dispel our spiritual darkness. And let me submit to you this morning that all of us, before we trusted Christ, were living in a state of spiritual darkness. There's a reason why Jesus told the Pharisees that they were blind leaders of the blind. It is because they refused 
to see the light of God as revealed in the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. I, I think uh, in old camp meetings, they used to sing that song. I saw the light, I saw the light. And, and, uh, and we, we might be able to butcher that up and sing it with our uh, clothes pin on our nose and make it sound like a real camp meeting. But, but the fact of the matter is that what happened? Well, that which was previously unknown to me in my spiritual darkness has now come to light through Jesus Christ. And He came to dwell with us to dispel the spiritual darkness in our understanding. I love what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He said that Jesus has saved us in verse 9 and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, there's that word again, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Manifest means it is brought to light. You know what the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 13? It says, that which doth make manifest is light. That which doth make manifest is light. So what does it say here? The gospel has been made manifest or brought to light through the gospel that was given through Jesus Christ. And it says, it's made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Why did he do that? Because he's full of grace and truth. Because the gospel contains the truth about us. It contains the truth about God. But it contains the good news that despite the truth about who you are, and the fact that God is holy, He offers forgiveness and heaven to all that will believe Him and receive Him, which proves that He who is the Word is the Word of His grace. It's that thing that will save you, not damn you. Amen? I'm glad all three of you are happy about that today. What was it? 2022 is off to a roaring start. <laughs> he has enlightened our minds with the truth of who He is. Now, there are many Eastern religions that are mystical that will somehow try to convince you that the light is somewhere inside of you and that you need to get in touch with the light. And so people will get in yoga positions and stare at their navel waiting to see if it's going to emit some light, I guess. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> folks, um, I think I got too much stuck in that navel for any light to come out of it. Might have to be surgically extracted, Amen. Which raises the age-old theological question, did Adam have a navel? <laughs> and why do we call navel oranges navel oranges? <laughs> anyway, that, that, that's for another sermon, I guess. <laughs> Some of you just woke up, you're like, what did he say? <laughs> Listen. Jesus came to enlighten us about who He is, about who we are in the light of who He is, and that He really loves you. And He does. And through His Word, He's made that manifest. And so, folks, how are we going to know it any other way? It is through His Word. That's why Jesus said, search the Scriptures for these are they which testify of me. It is the testimony of Jesus Christ. I talk to people all the time that say, well, I have my own special relationship with the Lord. And, uh, you know, I, have, I, I, don't, I don't go to church. I worship in my own way and in my own space. I don't need to be around, you know, some structured religious plan. And you know what it reveals to me? That, number one, they're really idiots. That's what it reveals to me. And... All they have to do to bring that to light is open their mouth. Because what they're doing is they're spewing a lot of um, heresy that is not rooted in the Word. 
they're not having a relationship with God through His Word. They don't even know who God is. If they understood that He had a plan and a purpose for their life and they wanted to follow it, they would dig into the Word to discover what it was. They would realize what it says. And that He is the truth and that He has ordained the church to be the pillar and ground of the truth and to preach the word of His grace and that our lives are not to be lived simply for ourselves but toward God and for others unless you just want to be a narcissist and stay home and enjoy all the goodies for yourself and let the whole rest of the world go to hell because you have your own little special way of meeting God instead of the way He said do it through His Word. Have you ever had somebody tell you, I don't believe the Bible? How many of you ever heard that one? How many of you ever said that one? Yeah, there's a few people lying in here this morning. And uh, some of you, you've said that. But all of us have heard that. I don't believe the Bible. You know, whenever somebody says, well, I don't really believe the Bible, you know, I always ask them this question. Have you ever read it from cover to cover? You know what? I've never found anybody that can give me an honest answer on that. And my question is always, well, if you haven't read it, how do you know you don't believe it? If you don't know what's in it, how do you know you don't believe it? The fact is, you don't. You're just making an ignorant statement. And the fact today is this, that we will have no enlightenment in our lives. We'll dwell in spiritual darkness like the Pharisees, blind leaders of the blind, and spiritual darkness, apart from the word of His grace, bringing to light, making manifest who Jesus is. Now, notice with me, with me please, that the Bible tells us this, in verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Isn't that sad? Came to his own people, and they, they rejected him. In fact, what did they do? They killed him. They killed him. But, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on, that believe on his name, which are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. We're not saved simply because of willpower. We, we chose God. Do you know why you're saved? Because what did He do from before the foundation of the world? He chose you. Why? Because He's gracious. And He's the Word. And what I hold here today is the Word of His grace. And it reveals that truth to my heart. So notice with me the edification of the word, which is God for us. I like that verse in Romans chapter 8 that says, If God be for us, who can be against us? And you know, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is obvious, isn't it? Nobody. Nobody. And he is for you. My friend, God is not against you, he is for you. He came and gave His life for you. He wants to live out His life through you so that you can live the life that He's called you to. Listen, He wants to do everything for you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, I believe it's verse number 17, all things are for your sake. God does everything that He does for you. He doesn't do it to you. Sometimes we get this idea, well, you know, if I do this or that or the other thing, God's really going to let me have it. Well, if God wanted to let you have it, you'd have been had a long time ago. We'd all be crispy critters, wouldn't we? So he, He's for you. And He came to lift you up by fulfilling truth and bestowing grace. By fulfilling truth and bestowing grace. You know what the truth of the law declared? The soul that sinneth shall surely die. There's a consequence for sin. 
There's a consequence for it. So, because God is true, you know what? He had to take upon Himself the sins of all mankind. The Bible says, For He hath made Him, meaning Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So, what did He do? He fulfilled all of the law. He measured up to all of the truth of God. Why? So that He could bestow His grace and maintain who He is in absolute righteousness. He is God. Brother Jacob, could you turn the fan on because I don't want people to sleep through the last three minutes of my sermon. Because if they do, then they'll have to do it for the last 30. (laughs) I know it's 32 degrees outside, but some of you are like, you know, I, I've been doing this for a long time, and, and, uh, and there's some guys that have done a fair amount of preaching in here, and I've got to tell you, I've come to the place where um, when people are doing when they're doing that, I really appreciate it. Sometimes they give up and they just go, you, you know what this means? It means... <laughs> I don't think that guy has anything worth staying awake to hear, right? And But when you're doing this, you think, I'm not sure if he has anything to say worth staying awake for, but I'm going to at least try to stay awake and see. And so I really appreciate that. And so, listen, I, I, I want you to notice uh, with me the edification of the Word. The Word of His grace builds us up. Acts chapter 20, Paul said to the elders of the church at Ephesus when he called them together at Miletus to tell them he was going to uh, Jerusalem bound in the Spirit, uh, he said, I, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among, among all them that are sanctified. Now, I want you to understand what, what Paul said there was absolutely dynamic that the word of His grace is able to build you up. Do you know what the word of the law is able to do? destroy you. That's all it can do. It can destroy you. So, for those of you that have come up in a religion that says you've got to keep the commandments and be good and go to church and take communion and get baptized and all that good stuff, you've got to live by some moral code in order to merit heaven. I want you to know all that could ever do is destroy you. It can never build you up. It is the word of His grace that will lift you out of the miry clay and set your feet upon a rock and Change your eternal destiny from hell to heaven. And He'll give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. And He'll give you everything that you need to live the life that He's calling you to. Because the Bible says, Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. And the One who is the incarnate Word came full of grace and truth to demonstrate to you how much that He loves you. He wants to build you up. He wants to build you up. He doesn't want to tear you down. He doesn't want to destroy you. He's for you. Amen? How many of you, how many of you are glad that God is for you, not against you? All the people said, Amen. Anybody can raise their hand. We just go ahead and say Amen right out loud in church. <laughs> Thank you. You didn't hear that, did you? <laughs> she said, I'm a mess. <laughs> well, she's old enough, she can say that. <laughs> I have the microphone. You know, that's the lesson. You don't want to pick on the guy with the mic. <laughs> Let me tell you this lastly, and we'll go home. What what are we having for lunch? I don't know what it is. Maybe we'll stay a little longer. But uh, I want you to notice this. In John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was who? Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. All right. Is He just the offspring of God? No, He's God. Is He another iteration of a God? No, He's what? God. 
Yeah, he's the almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, right? His name is wonderful, counselor, the mighty God. That's who we sing about at Christmas time, but people don't half believe that. Jesus is God. And so understand this. We notice the exaltation of the word, and that is God above us. So we've been talking about God before us. He's eternally preexistent. We talked about God to us. Moses gave something, but Jesus came to us. And then we see God with us. The enlightenment that came when Jesus came and dwelt among us to demonstrate that He is the Word of His grace come down to man. And we notice God for us, not against us. The edification that comes through the Word of His grace. But finally, God above us. He is God over all. He is the highly exalted One. Sometime uh, do a study on the fact that Jesus is set down at the right hand of the throne. You know what that is and what it represents? The place of exaltation and honor. That is exactly what Jesus had bestowed and conferred upon Him as God. A place and position of being honored as God, the sovereign over all. And so, recognize the fact that He came being God. And then the Bible uh, reveals uh, to us that this one who came is the word of His grace. In John chapter 14, I love this. And uh, it says in verse number 1, I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that, you may be a, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not. Why? They're in spiritual darkness. Okay? Neither knoweth Him but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, Emmanuel, and in you, amen, the mystery revealed in Jesus, Colossians 1.27, the mystery of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, so, and, and then He said this, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So when He ascended up into heaven, He said, look, that's not the end of it. He didn't just say, Hey, y'all do the best you can. I'll be back in a couple thousand years. See ya. No, he, he said, Listen, I'm going to come again. Until then, I'm going to send my spirit, which is not another spirit, but the very spirit of Jesus Christ. And what is he going to do? Verse 26 says, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And do you know what? The exalted Lord over all has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. He's the sovereign of the ages and he's sovereign in your life. What does that mean? He's the Lord of all. You know what that means? He can rule in your life. And, catch this, I like it, He can overrule in your life. Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen? Listen, what I'm telling you today is that when we turn to God in need of grace, it's generally needing the exalted Lord who's going to overrule the mess that I've created. I need God not just to rule but to overrule sometimes, when I get myself through narcissism and sin, God can overrule in those matters as the sovereign God. He can take bad situations and make them good to prove the truth that, look, that all things really do work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And my friend, He's the exalted Son the Lord of glory, sovereign over all. And He's watching over you and comforting you in all of your tribulation by His own Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And I want you to understand, the Bible tells us in Psalm 138, verse 2, that God has exalted His Word above His name. And I thought about that and I thought, why in the world is that so? Why did He exalt His Word above His name. And then it came to me as I studied that He exalted His Word above His name because it is His Word that reveals His name. 
It's the one that tells us who He is. Amen? And so, my friends, understand that the word of His grace comes from God alone. And it's meant to build you up, not to destroy and tear you down. And it's a comforting word because there's a God there that's watching over us to comfort us. The Word of God is the revealer of His grace. He came full of grace and truth. This Christmas I was taking a few moments kind of being nostalgic, sat down with my phone and going through a lot of old photographs and uh, looking at photos of my grandma, my grandma chapel who went to be with the Lord, how special she was to us all, and a dynamic soul winner. Saw photos of Brother Hilmer and, and other great heroes of mine. Saw, saw a picture of my mom decorating a Christmas tree with smile from ear to ear. It carried me back to my childhood. And um, remember one day I, I told my mom, I said, Mom, why do I always have to have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in my lunch? It seems like creamy peanut butter and grape jelly was what was always on sale. Did anybody live in a house like that also? And, and I'm like, I, I said, I appreciate it, but I sure like tuna sandwiches. And day after day, I'd open up my Safeway bag. <laughs> we didn't go out and buy a lunch bag, did you? We, we, weren't, we weren't wealthy. Sometimes it was just the Wonder Bread sack was my lunch pail. That was a little humbling when your friends had Superman and Batman lunch pails and you had to bring a Wonder Bread sack. But I can remember sometimes I'd have a brown Safeway shopping bag and she'd roll it up, you know, a thousand times and, and I'd open it up and look down the bottom of that big old sack that would hold a week's groceries and it held an orange and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I don't know why it always happened like this, but the orange was always sitting on top of the sandwich and there would be a purple circle on my sandwich. How many of you ever had that blessing in your life? You just had a big purple circle on your sandwich. And uh, one day I went to school and it was lunchtime. I was sitting next to my best friend, Larry Hastings. And I would sometimes trade him for tuna fish sandwich and I opened up the lunch sack I looked down and my sandwich didn't have a purple circle on it and I, I reached down and it was wrapped up in wax paper nobody knew what a ziplock was back then it was wax paper and I picked up that sandwich wrapped in wax paper And I unwrapped it. It was a tuna sandwich. And there was a note on top of the sandwich. And she said, Mark, Mommy loves you. And a smiley face. It was just brown paper, Safeway sack. It was filled with love. And Jesus came and took upon just the simple old brown safely sack of our flesh. But he was filled with grace and truth. And said, I love you. And this is how I know. 
Heavenly Father, how we thank you for the great love of God that would come down when we could not come to you. Lord, I pray that we would search the script, that we might not just know about you, but that we might know you. Lord, help us to realize that there's a truth about us that we can't get over or past, and you know it. And you came to deal with it righteously so that we might receive grace for grace in abundance. Thank you, God. Our heads are bowed for a moment. Perhaps you're in this room and you would say, Pastor, I'm not really sure that if I died today that I would even go to heaven. But I'm really concerned about it. And if that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'd like to remember you in a moment of prayer. So today, if you're not certain that if you died today that you'd go to heaven, but you're concerned about it, I wonder if right now while no one is looking, you lift your hand and say, Pastor, don't embarrass me, but remember me in that prayer. Here's my hand. Pray for me. Is there one like that? Then maybe there's one in the room that would say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved, but I really have not been experiencing the grace upon grace and I know it's because I have neglected the word of his grace you might say today pray for me that I would begin this year spending time in the word of his grace reveling in his love for me if God is speaking to your heart today you would say pastor I'm saved but God is dealing with me about reveling in His grace and knowing Him in His fullness through His Word. You would say, pray for me. I wonder if you'd lift your hand today if there's one. God bless you and you. Many hands all over this auditorium today. God bless you. God bless you. The Lord wants to reveal Himself to you. And if you, like I did on that day when I opened that wax paper wrapping on a sandwich, discovered a note from mom that said, I love you. If you'll open up the pages of the Bible, you'll see a note from heaven that will tell you every day how much God really does love you. And that he's not against you. He's for you. Let's not hear that and walk away. Let's hear that and be changed.